The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we celebrate a grace and gift that was given uh, to our race, to human nature, Uh, through the person of Our Lady, uh, the one through whom then Christ enters into the world. She becomes very truly by this grace that we celebrate today, the grace of the Immaculate Conception. She becomes the doorway to heaven, the one through whom Christ comes to us and the one through whom we can enter and go to her Son. To go to Our Lady is a journey towards her Son, which is a journey towards Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate this great uh, gift and grace that has been given to us in our Blessed Mother, a grace foreseen already in the book of Genesis, in Pope Pius IX's proclamation of uh, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. He references two texts from Scripture where the grace and gift of the Immaculate Conception seems to be implied in the Scriptures. And so in order for something to be declared a dogma of our faith, meaning something that we all must believe by faith, it must be something that is revealed by God, revealed and contained at least implicitly within the Scriptures and in the tradition of the Church. And so as we turn back to the tradition of the Church, we see that the belief in the Immaculate Conception goes back to the earliest times in the midst of the Church Fathers, and that even from the 7th century, 
the celebration of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception has been something within the life of the Church. Even though it was more recently proclaimed in the Church, it is something that has always been believed. It is something that has always been held in the deposit of faith. While some throughout the years might have deviated from that before its actual proclamation, that only pushed the Church to the proclamation of the Immaculate Conception. And so the two texts that the Pope references are from the book of Genesis that we've read and then the Gospel passage that we've read today. And in that book of Genesis reading, we see that there is a type of what the Church calls a proto-evangelion, a proto-gospel contained within the promise of the Lord to deliver his people from the sin that they have committed. And so he comes to find Adam and Eve, and they are hiding from him because of shame. And the Lord who desires to find us right from the moment of the first of the original sin, it has been a, it has been a salvation history of the Lord searching for his people the Lord coming to find us in our sin and in our shame, which will culminate, as we see in today's gospel, with God stepping out of heaven, the Word becoming incarnate, coming to find sinful humanity that he might take it back to himself. The beautiful proclamation of the good news is already then foreshadowed when the Lord finds Adam and Eve. And he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Enmity, complete enmity, a complete divide. She will never be yours. She will never be yours is contained in that promise. And so from the first moment of her conception, she is not under the influence of original sin or its stain. She is kept free from that stain by what is called a prevenient grace of the cross, a grace of the cross of Christ, which even before his suffering and death is applied to Our Lady in her conception, and she is kept free from sin right from the first moment. She is redeemed in a certain preservative fashion. She still is numbered among the redeemed of Christ, but not in the same way that we are. We are brought back from sin. She is preserved from it by the graces of the cross of her Son. And so then you have this kind of proto-evangelion, this proto-gospel contained in this beautiful promise that God makes to his people right at the beginning. Immediately after the sin, he promises a remedy so that despair will not take over completely the hearts of his people, but there will always be a cause for hope. And the cause for hope is the Immaculate Conception. It is the one through whom Christ will enter the world. Our Lady. And so what you see then in the Gospel passage, again containing in an implicit way references to her Immaculate Conception and the graces that she has been given, a grace which is a singular grace. It's never been given to anyone else. Even though other saints like St. John the Baptist might have been sanctified in the womb, Our Lady was sanctified from the moment of conception. And the angel Gabriel, you can see when he comes in to Our Lady, even his disposition should tell us of her awesome graces, everything that she contains. He is humble in her presence. He greets her as a queen. Hail, full of grace. 
Those words in the Greek, it is hard for us to translate them directly into the English. That word hail, it means rejoice exceedingly. Hail, it is also a, a greeting of reverence. And so she is held in reverence by the angel Gabriel, but she is also called to rejoice exceedingly. It means at the very heights of rejoicing. Joy is something that comes, as we've said before, when we possess something that is good. When we have desired something that is good and then we come to possess it, it causes our hearts to rejoice. For Our Lady, she now possesses, as the Word becomes incarnate in her, but as she has always lived by His grace, she possesses the greatest good. There's nothing greater than that which Our Lady possesses, which is God Himself. The Lord is with you. And so her rejoicing then is at, is, is at the extreme is at the extent of rejoicing because she possesses the greatest good. Hail, full of grace. It is a fullness of grace that she possesses, not in the same way that the Lord has it. Christ is full of grace because he is the source of grace. Our Lady is full of grace because she is always at the full capacity of the reception of grace. At every moment, she is always meriting the most that is possible in that moment. She is in every way pleasing to God. And this greeting, this hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. This is not something that is simply a once-off moment in her life. That is a, this is applied to her whole life. From the very first moment of her existence, she has been pleasing to God. The Lord has been with her from the first moment by His grace. By grace, we know we are made temples of God's Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit and God himself has always dwelt within her. One of the church fathers says that Our Lady is not only the new Eve, she is also the new paradise in which God delights to dwell. He delights to dwell within the soul of Mary because she is so pleasing to him. And so this new Eve, this new paradise, by this grace that we celebrate today is all a preparation for the grace that we see in the gospel. Her immaculate conception is the preparation for her to be the mother of God, the mother of the one who comes to save us. And so we give thanks as a church for all of her graces. We give thanks as a church because we consider them as our own because we have benefited from them. We give thanks as a church, not only for the graces of her Immaculate Conception, but also for her consent to be the mother of the Savior, the one who has come to save us and deliver us, the one who has come through his mother, Our Lady, to whom we turn today and pray for the grace to be more deeply united to her Son. Amen.